Father, you truly are more precious than anything. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us mothers to love us and to show us your great love. Fathers, we turn to your word this morning. Open our minds, open our eyes to see what you have for us and to help us take your word seriously and apply it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I entitled this morning service, A Mother's Love. Appropriate for a Mother's Day. And I appreciate Anna Rose being willing to come up and, and share personal thoughts and feelings. But one thing's true for all of us. We all came from a mom. Whether she's still with you or not, we all have a mom. It's a special day. And mothers are very unappreciated at times. They do so much and get so little recognition for all that they do. And my mom is no exception to that. Growing up, we didn't have a lot, but what we had was clean. Our house was clean. My clothes were clean. I didn't have to uh, worry about food. We didn't have much, but there was always something on the table. And Sunday afternoons were the best, because usually then it would be that hot roast coming out of the oven where the meat was just falling apart, and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and all the fixings. Man, I'm ready to go now. (laughs) I can smell it still. And it would always be nice and tender, unless the pastor went too long. We didn't have timers on our ovens back then. But that was special. And I can't ever remember saying, thanks, Mom, for cooking Sunday afternoon lunch. Thanks, Mom, for washing my clothes. Thanks, Mom, for taking me shopping. So today, thanks, Mom, for all that you did and for all that you guys do. A mother's love is something special. And I am no expert for sure. So I will read you a poem called A Mother's Love by Helen Steiner Rice. A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring, come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking. And it never fails or falters, even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns, and it grows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining. It defies all explanation. And it still remains a secret, like the mysteries of creation. A many-splendored miracle Man cannot understand of God's tender, guiding hand. Well, I thought it was appropriate this morning on Mother's Day that we would turn to scriptures and look at a mother's love recorded for us in the book of Matthew. So please turn to Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21, to see what God's word has 
to communicate to us today. And as you're turning, I was thinking of how communication has changed. I remember as a boy, the main way that we would communicate would be by writing long letters or receiving letters from family. Yeah, we had a phone in our house, but long-distance calls were expensive. So we would write letters. That's how we would communicate. And then as time changed a little bit and phones became uh, uh, a little more mobile, they would figure out a way to put a phone in a car, which, of course, we never had one of those, but that was kind of a cool thing. And phones picked up a little bit. But then the computer came along. And with that, the email. And email greatly reduced long letter writing because it was so quick and easy to write the email. And then phones picked back up and cell phones became uh, uh, prevalent everywhere. And as they picked up, they added a device called texting. And now phones are used for not talking, but texting. I don't think any of my kids have made a phone call in the last three weeks, but I can tell you they've probably done 3,000 texts. And now, of course, these phones, they also have the ability to hook up to the Internet so they can get their Facebook updates, they can do their tweeting, all this communication, these quick, short notes. And with any style of communication, in the past or in the present, it's always important to understand the meaning behind the communication of the thought being conveyed, because it's easily missed. Here's an example. Even in verbal communication... Recently, my wife and I had the opportunity to uh, help facilitate a marriage class here with Steve McKenzie uh, called Love and Respect. A few people here were in that class. And one of the things that they talked about was this phrase, I have nothing to wear. Now, when a guy says, I have nothing to wear, he means the clothes are dirty and his wife hasn't done the laundry yet. But when a lady says... I have nothing to wear. She means none of these clothes mean anything to me. They're all old. It's time to go shopping. Completely different intent and meaning. Well, the verbal word is hard enough to understand. The written word can be even harder because we don't have the tone. We don't have the inflection. So as we read today, we want to be careful because some of what we'll read may sound a little uncharacteristic of Jesus. It may seem a little bit harsh, a little bit different for Jesus. But read with me, if you will, from Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. 
We're going to dive into this passage today, and I want to look at three ways that we can identify with this mother, and three ways we can identify with the disciples. You see, I think it's best to understand what is happening here uh, in this passage if we think of it as a test that Jesus is giving. A test that he is giving to two different groups of people. The test that he's giving to the woman and the test that he's giving to his disciples at the same time. So the first thing that we see is that there's a reality here. And the reality is the situation, and it is that we can identify with this mother's problem. She has trouble with a child. And you know a child's trouble is a mother's trouble. This child had a terrible problem. She had a demon. I can't imagine a worse trouble to deal with as a parent. Still, her mother loved her. Because afflictions do not dissolve affections with the love of a mother. But this mother wanted to help her daughter. And of course, we have no idea what all she's been through. It doesn't tell us. But I can imagine that she has gone through many doctors, home remedies, maybe even to healers and different prophets. Nothing helped. She doesn't know what to do. She turns to Jesus. But she has another problem. She is a Canaanite. She is a Gentile. She is a pagan. She is a woman, a foreigner. She's not even a Samaritan who is a half-Jew who even the Jews didn't like, but at least has Jewish blood, she is completely outside. Why should she expect that Jesus would help her? I think we can identify with that at times. Why should Jesus help us? Who are we who keep sinning and doing the things that we don't want to do? Who have turned our back on Him on many times? But just like the love of a mother who continues strong, Jesus is standing there for us saying, come back to me with his arms open, ready to hug you and accept you back if you turn from your sin. Well, she turns to Jesus because she believed he could help. Now, she had heard of his miracles and his workings. It has spread throughout the countryside, if we turn actually back a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 4, we can read this, verse 24, so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. All the people that Jesus was healing, all the miracle signs that he was doing has spread throughout the entire region. And she heard about Jesus. And now, for some reason, he's in her region. 
Can you imagine the excitement that fills her? The thought of hope that comes back? This man, Jesus, who's healed so much more, he can help me. And she seeks Jesus out. Let's turn back to the text, if you will. Matthew 15, verse 21 says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. That's where she was. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She identifies her problem to Jesus. She seeks him out, and then she identifies what she is going through. But did you catch what she called him? Son of David. See, this is just after Jesus had another go around with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they rejected his teaching. They were even said they were offended at him. Once again, the Jews are rejecting who he is being the Messiah. And he takes time to leave that area. And as soon as he leaves, the first one, this lady that approaches him, that we have record of, calls him the son of David. If you go to Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the son of David gives us our first clue here. In the book, of the, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The son of David was a messianic title. It was indicating his deity that he was God. And it is even more clear to us in scriptures in Matthew 22, and I'll read for you 41 and 42, where Jesus is confronting the Pharisees and he says, Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. Clearly a messianic title. The Christ is the son of David. And here this lady meets him, calling him the son of David. That's no small point put out there that the Gentile lady recognized that he was the Messiah and called him by the correct title. Well, she takes the problem to Jesus and expresses to him the need. And I think we can identify with that. But we can also identify with the disciples' predicament. See, of course, the disciples, they're with Jesus. They are his disciples. They're his followers. Many of us today would claim to be with Jesus, to be his followers, And they heard about this lady's problem. An outsider who had a problem. Do we pay attention to outsiders' problems? Sometimes it's easy to pay attention to the problems of people that gather with us. But what about those outside the church? Do we have the compassion and the care for outsiders? Or are we more concerned inside? And we think, well, God's... God will take care of them if he wants, but they deserve what they're getting for their sin. We have to be careful about our heart and our judging. The second point this morning is that we have a reaction. 
And we can identify with this mother's persistence. She had to go through a really rough test. See, she made her request to Jesus, as many have before her. And it wasn't uncommon for Jesus to hear these requests and have compassion on them, heal them. But this time, it was a little different. It says he did not answer her a word. Silence. How many times do we pray and we're asking God for something? Our hearts are yearning for something. But we don't hear a word. There's silence. This isn't new for Jesus sometimes to be silent for him to not answer right away. I mean, he loved Lazarus. That was clear. And Mary and Martha sent word to him that Lazarus was sick. And as soon as he heard it, although he loved them and he loved Lazarus, he delayed for two days. They got silence. Where can he be? And then Lazarus dies. And as soon as Jesus shows up, they say, Lord, if you'd only been here, Lazarus would live. They went through a test. See, God often tests our faith to grow our faith. Jesus then calls Lazarus out. Can you imagine the faith that grew in Mary and Martha at that moment? How much stronger was their faith in the Lord then? Faith is so important in our walk. You must never give up your faith. God may not answer the way that you think he should or the way that you would do it if you had the power. God may not answer when you pray, but don't stop. That's a great lesson we can learn from this passage because this first test is to see if she will stop and leave or if she will continue on. Let's read verse 23 there. But he did not answer her word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Not only does Jesus not answer her, but then his followers come along and say, Send her away, Lord. And she has to face his silence and their rejection. But she has to stay strong. A mother's love for her daughter. Knowing that Jesus can help if he will. So she will continue. But I think this is also a test for the disciples. When God doesn't answer. I think it's a test to see if they will step up and show compassion and concern. And intercede on the behalf of this mother and her need. They could be quiet or they could speak up and intercede. Well, the first reaction that we see is from the disciples. Well, they didn't keep silent, but they didn't come to her aid either. 
Matter of fact, they come and they say, send her away. Get rid of her. She's bugging us. Lord, do we really have to put up with this? They take his silence as the means that he doesn't want to do anything. And they jump on the bandwagon and they try to get rid of her because they don't want to put up with the hassle and the problems of this crying lady. Well, then we have Jesus' response, verse 24. He doesn't respond to the disciples, but he responds to the lady, this mother. And he answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Wow, not quite the response she was looking for. Seems kind of harsh. You know, when the disciples were sent out from Jesus back in Matthew chapter 10, um, actually I'll read that for you, verse 5, he sends the twelve out to minister into the region and he gives them the power to heal and to cast out demons. And he says, these twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but... Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, Jesus was sent to his people. Jesus was sent to the Jewish nation, God's chosen people. To show them he is the Messiah. To be their king. But they were looking for an earthly king to dwell on the earth at that time. They looked by the signs. But they were God's chosen people and God, through his providence, wanted to bless his people, although they reject him and eventually crucify him. But Jesus was sent to the Jews. But even with the disciples, as they were going to these areas, did not mean that they could not help Gentiles or Samaritans that they would encounter. They were just instructed to go to this region first. This is where you're to minister. So, Jesus says, I was sent for the lost sheep. And she understood that that meant the Jewish nation. She understood what he was saying in what I would call the second test. And can't you just picture the disciples, if you give me a little liberty, as Jesus says, I was sent for the lost sheep. <laughs> we told her to get out of here. That's right. Yeah, Lord, you preach it. You preach it, Lord. I could just see that attitude as it's so easy to do when we think that we're right. Well, the test of her faith was compared to the test of the disciples' compassion. And again, here we have silence from the disciples. But now we have her response to Jesus. Verse 25. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. She humbled herself and knelt before him and pleaded with the Lord to help her. Her faith is strong, she's very persistent. She has that love and she knows Jesus is the answer. And as long as there is hope, she's going to continue to go before the Lord. 
Mothers, what's troubling you? As long as there is hope, keep going to the Lord. Fathers, be the leader. As long as there's hope, keep going to the Lord. Well, again, here we see silence from the disciples. Now, again, Jesus responds in verse 26. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, the word here, dogs, is actually little dogs. Some translations will say puppies. Almost a loving household pet. But dogs were dirty. And dogs were not equal in any sense with the family. And Gentiles, pagans, were often referred to from the Jews as dogs. Well, she knew what he was saying is that he is to bless Israel. The food is a blessing. God's word is a blessing. He came first to the Jews. And she wasn't to take away why he came. His blessing is to be for the Jews. And again, we see the disciples here, if I can speculate, I can see even more pride coming through. Not only does he answer her again in an apparent no, but he calls her a dog. That's right, Lord. We said send her away. That's it. That's it. But again, she's persistent and she humbles herself. Verse 27. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She embraces her position of unworthiness. What a lesson for us. Why do we think we are so much? We should understand what a great God we have and humble ourselves under his care. Yield ourselves to him. This was a test of her faith to see if she would continue. And I am sure in the end her faith grew even greater as she says, yes, Lord. I understand the bread is for the Jews. I understand what you're saying. But just like in the home, when people are eating, sometimes, you know, the kids knock some food off the plate and those little puppies that are running around, there's no way you can get down and get that food before that puppy gets the food. Even like the puppies can eat from the excess and the things that fall. The crumbs from your table are more than sufficient to supply all my needs. Lord, even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. How wise in her answer. Her persistence and humility. She didn't come demanding any rights. She didn't come claiming anything that he needed to do for her. 
She was respectful. She knelt before him. She humbled herself. And everything that he said to her, which appeared to be, no, I'm not going to answer this prayer. She kept asking because there was still hope. And she knew he was the Messiah. She knew he could answer her problem and heal her daughter. And this was all about her love for her daughter and knowing the only one that could solve this problem was the master. So she continues, as well as the disciples continue to be silent. She has a mother's love, and we can identify with her persistence. But we can also identify, I think, with the disciples' lack of patience and pride. They wanted her to leave. No one seemed to care about her problem, just who she was and how she was bugging them. Nobody stepped up to help. And I think sometimes that's us and our busyness of life as we're hustling around about the things that we have planned to do or need to get to or efforting to complete. And that outsider who has problems, well, they brought it on themselves. I don't have time. I'm, you know... I can't stop and help everybody. How easy it is for us to get callous. How easy it is for us to be self-centered and to not care about those around us and have compassion. To even pray for them. We just want to get rid of them. Don't bother me. What a challenge. What a challenge. And they're the disciples. Oh, if we would only have the faith of the disciples. Yet they had a lot to learn too. Well, third, we have the result. The test is now over. And we can identify with her praise. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, O woman... Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. Jesus praises her for her faith. Wow. She never stopped. She continued. She was humble. And her daughter was healed. Although she was humble, although she was wise, although she was persistent, although she was patient, she showed many admirable qualities. But God praised her for her faith. Again, I'll say, Mom, how's your faith? I am sure that here today there are many mothers who have trouble with a child. I'm sure there are many mothers that is concerned about a loved one, a relative, a family member. That isn't doing what they should do or is sick and hurting. 
Are we taking it to the Lord? Are we keeping it before Him? Even as there's silence and we're not seeing a result? Even when it almost maybe looks like God is saying no, nothing is going right. Matter of fact, it's just getting worse. This mother's love today shows us keep going to God. Don't stop. We may not always see things clearly. And God may yet answer your prayer with turning that child's heart or turning that loved one's heart or healing that person. Our faith needs to be strong. Now that is not a guarantee that God is going to answer your prayer. That is not a guarantee that it's going to work out like it did for this mother and your child will be healed or their hearts will be turned. But we can still give God the praise in any situation if we keep our faith in Him. Be strong in the Lord. Keep your faith. Well, then I also see the result for the disciples. And I can identify with how the disciples were left to ponder what had happened. How did that go? I thought he was... He, but he healed her. The Canaanite, the woman, the pagan. Their hearts and their minds had to be opened and had to be stretched because a relationship with God is a matter of faith. See, it doesn't matter if you're a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a man. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're Oriental. It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter if you're well-educated or if you have no education or little education. See, no natural birth into any chosen nation can provide what can come only through supernatural rebirth through faith. Well, we had the reality of life. She had a problem. The disciples had a predicament. We had the reaction. She was persistent. The disciples had a lack of patience. And the results are his. He praised her. She received praise. The disciples were left to ponder. And I think we can identify in both of those realms at certain times. But I want to encourage you this morning to keep strong in your faith. And even when there's no word coming or when the word seems like it's against you, keep going to Jesus. Persevere. Be persistent. And one day God will praise you for your faith. It's a great lesson from the faith of a great mother. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning and the love of a mother. The love of a mother from an outsider, from the Canaanite region from the Gentiles. Because, Father, we know 
that though you came for the lost sheep and they rejected you, your death was sufficient for all. Jew and Gentile alike, we are all your children. The veil has been torn and access granted. Father, help us to be strong in our faith, to persevere through the trials and tests of this life and give you the glory and the honor for the results. And as long as there is hope that we will never cease bringing our requests before you and knowing that you love us and you have the best for us, that you will work out all things for the good of those who love you. Father, thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.